series where we're trying to think about how do we stay positive? How do we lean into God? How do we, how do we hold on to this solid uh, faith that uh, Christ offers us? Um, and so we're looking at questions that Jesus poses to disciples, the crowds, and we're trying to, to learn. And I've said many times that um, truth is often found on the other side of a good question. And so we're looking at what those questions are. And my hope is that you are listening to those questions and you're posing those questions to yourself. Because I don't think that Jesus is simply asking them of the disciples. I think he's asking them of us uh, at the same time. And so Jesus turns to his disciples when the waves are crashing around and says to them, why are you afraid? Is a way to push us to realize that Jesus is present, Jesus is powerful, that Jesus is in the boat with us. And then we looked at the question of, do you even believe that I'm able? I mean, do you believe that God is able to, to kind of push us to realize that we don't have to focus on what we can't do, but we can focus on what we can do as we lean into Jesus? And then last week, do you want to be made well? I mean, that's like an obvious answer, but the truth is we have to really stop and push ourselves. Are we different? I mean, do we... Do we really want to be made well? And so today I want us to look at a different story, a different question. And it's a question in the church we probably should ask more often, but we don't. And that question, and he poses, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, some of you may say, you know what? I don't have any doubts. Bible says it. I believe it. Move on. Uh, and, and if you're there, like... More power to you. Uh, But that's not most of our experiences. Most of us, there's times where we question. I mean, things happen. We're skeptical. We we want more answers. You know, we want the billboard to come to us. I mean, we look for ways to to make sure that it's it's true. Uh, And that tends to be more of our reactions. And that has nothing to do with like right brain, left brain thinkers. I mean, logical, people who think logically analytical, that's really hard. And that's where I find myself that that's really hard sometimes for for faith. But even if you're not uh, analytical in your thinking, it's still sometimes things happen that that we struggle with. Uh, And so we find ourselves sometimes uh, doubting whether it's true. I remember growing up, and many of you, if you've been around the church, you know I didn't grow up United Methodist. I I was kind of a combination between Baptist and Pentecostal. Um, And so there was a time in the church where, um, in the Pentecostal church, I can remember sitting there and like wondering, like, is this real? I mean, like everybody around me, they're shouting, they're saying hallelujah, they're saying amen, there's people running up and down the aisles that we'd have little flags they would wave and and a few people would fall out and you and and those of you who've never been in that experience you're like what well that was I mean you know I I can remember sitting there going I mean like have they all bought into some sort of cult I mean I I would think about like are they using this as a crutch do they really do they really believe this but yet even as a young person I can remember thinking but I can see God I mean I can see God in the world God in creation, I could see how things work. Something created this world that's a whole lot smarter than me. And so I could, this combination of, like, I'm not sure. And I can remember laying in bed one night, and I looked at my door. And y'all are going to think this is crazy, but I looked at my door, and I said, okay, God, shut the door. If you're real, shut that door. 
Now, what y'all would love for happen is like, bam, right? I mean, you want that door to shut. It didn't. And so I laid there and I thought, okay, God, I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to let you have all night long. When I wake up in the morning, if you're real, shut the door. So I went to sleep. I woke up. First thing I did was look at the door. And you know what that door was? Wide open. Uh, and, and so I thought, okay, like, I gave you all night long. And, and, and you couldn't even do that. I mean, had you shut the door, like, Claire and I are in Africa right now as missionaries. I mean, we would, we would if you had just done that, we would have done what it, doubts. And what I've come to learn is in ministry is doubts come in so many different shapes and sizes. Some people, and that may be your space right now, some people doubt even the existence of God. Some people don't doubt the existence of God. They just doubt whether God is like active in the world today. I mean, does God really do something? Um, some of you, you may not doubt the existence of God. You don't doubt that God is active. We just doubt whether like God can forgive me. You know, I mean, I can see God forgiving you, but you don't know what I do. So I'm not sure God can love me. I'm not sure God can forgive me. And so doubt comes in so many different shapes and so many different sizes. And then we in the church, we compound that problem. Because what we say is, um, well, if you doubt, then you have little faith. If you doubt, you have weak faith. If you doubt, maybe you have no faith. I mean, maybe, maybe you're not even saved. Maybe you're not a real follower of Jesus. And so we compound this problem. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to take an opposite approach. And I want us to, to look at doubt and realize that doubt is not the end of faith. That if you push through doubt, you can find deep, authentic, sincere, real faith. And so we're going to look at a person in the Bible that many of us, if you've grown up in church, if you've ever heard the story, we associate with doubt. Who is that? Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. He gets this bad rap as being the doubting Thomas person. But what I want you to look at, maybe Thomas is a great witness to us, the evidence of how God can create strong faith in the midst of doubt. And so let me set this up for you first. You have to, to know Thomas's story. You kind of have to go back. Luke tells us, uh, and you can flip to the 24th chapter of Luke if you want to look there. It's on the, in the story of the road to Emmaus. Luke tells us that uh, after Jesus is resurrected uh, from the dead, there two of the disciples are walking down this road. And uh, they're talking about all the events that happen. And this stranger comes alongside. And they don't recognize him as Jesus. And so they go walking and they're talking. And eventually they get to a place where they're going to part ways. And they invite this stranger to come and go with them and have a meal. And as they sit down around the table, uh, the stranger breaks the bread. And as he breaks the bread, they realize that this is the resurrected Christ. And so they go back to the disciples. And when they go back to the disciples to tell them that Jesus is risen, they've seen him. We get this encounter. And so look at what it says in the 24th chapter of Luke, starting in verse 34. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus made known to them as he broke the bread. 
While they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And then Jesus asked the questions. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? I love scripture because I think that scripture often gives us the exact response that we would live into. Why are you startled? I mean, they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they think Jesus is dead. I mean, they saw Jesus die on the cross. They saw the going into the tomb. They saw the stone rolled in front. They believe Jesus is dead. And all of a sudden, Jesus is in front of them and they're scared. So the only way I can relate to that is this past year, many of you know my grandmother passed away. I was with her when she passed away. I was in a, you know, a pallbearer at her funeral. We were there when they put her body into the mausoleum. We saw it, them cover it up. What do y'all think you would happen to me if all of a sudden my grandmother walked in that door? I'm freaking out, people, uh, because I know that she passed away. I know that she is dead. And so this is the emotion that they are. When you're reading scripture, you kind of have to look and think that it makes perfect sense. So Jesus turns to them and says, why are you startled? And then you can almost hear the compassion in his voice when he says, why are you startled? Why Why are doubts arising in your hearts? It's like, have you forgotten? I mean, have you forgotten that when the waves were crashing in on you, I calmed the sea? Have you forgotten that I fed thousands of people with just a few loaves and a few fish? You saw it. Have you forgotten the guy beside the pool at Bethsaida? That I said, get up and walk. And he'd been laying there for 38 years and he got up and moved around. You've forgotten that I made blind people be able to see. Have you forgotten all of the miracles that you've seen me do? You can almost hear the compassion in Jesus' voice. Now what's interesting is in this conversation... Where the disciples return and talk about this and Jesus shows up. Do you know who's not there? Thomas. Now it doesn't tell us that in Luke, but it tells us that in John. If you look in John chapter 20, he tells us that Thomas was not at the previous meeting. Listen to what it says in verses 24 through 28. It says, Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. So in this encounter, in the previous experience, Thomas missed it. Thomas missed the presence of Jesus. Thomas missed the power of Jesus. Thomas missed the proof of Jesus. Thomas missed the experience of this resurrected Christ. And I think that's one of the problems that we have in the church today is so many of us, we are kind of Christians. I'm kind of a Christian. My parents took me to church. I kind of believe I kind of think it's true. We're missing this risen experience, I mean, this experience with the risen Christ. And then one day something happens and our worlds shake and we go, is it true? I mean, is it possible? Is Christianity for real? 
I mean, is it possible to really have this narrow way that we have to come to the, to the Son, we have to, we have to come to the Father through the Son? We question, is it possible? So Thomas, I believe, is a great example because he says this, this is important. And remember what the disciples are claiming. The disciples are claiming that God loves us so much that he sent his Son, that he sent his Son into the form of Jesus, and that Jesus was born through a virgin so that, she, so that he would not have um, the sinful nature of humanity, but he would be both God and man, and that he would live this sin, sinless life, and that he died and took on our sin, and that he didn't stay in the grave, that he was risen. This is all part of what the disciples claimed. It's what Jesus claimed. And so for me, the only reasonable response to something like that is to say that I'm going to live for him. And so Thomas says, if that's true, then i got to know it's true. i got, I got to see a little bit more, press a little bit more. Doubts aren't the end of real faith. Sometimes doubts can push you to have real, sincere, authentic faith. And so Thomas says, I want to believe. And then listen to what happens. So in the story, eight days later, the disciples are again. And John tells us, he's very important. John says, now this time Thomas is there. So Thomas is there. And Jesus, the doors are locked. And all of a sudden Jesus appears, which, by the way, pretty cool, right? Uh, The doors are locked. Jesus shows up. Jesus says the very same thing. Peace be with you. Then watch the story. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes doesn't pay attention to anybody else in the story. He goes to Thomas. Straight to Thomas. To the one who wanted to believe. In that moment, he went to the one who wanted to believe. And he said, okay, put your, put your hand in my side. See the holes? You can see them. Touch them. Everything that Thomas needed in the moment to believe, Jesus gave him everything he needed. And I believe that somehow there are people today that you're struggling with doubting. Some of you, God is trying to come to to give you exactly what you need to believe. When I was younger, after Claire and I had gotten married, we, I, I can't really speak for Claire in that moment, I, I was struggling in my faith. I, I, I wanted to believe But I had been away from God. So I was that person that kind of doubted whether God could really love me and forgive me. Um, We went to a Bible study. And the person who was leading the Bible study, I I said this, was not the most effective leader because she came in and she said, I haven't prepared anything, so I'm just going to read a poem for you. Uh, So any of you small group leaders, please don't do that. But but it, it did work in this instance. But... It's not a great example, but she, so she started to read this poem. I couldn't tell you what the poem is about. Um, All I know is that as she read that poem, um, God spoke to me in a deep place in my soul. Um, If you know much about John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, he talked about being in a Bible study and somebody reading the book of Romans and as they read the book of Romans they uh, he had his heart strangely warmed for me it was a it was a very similar experience of the fact that um, God spoke to me in a way that I, I can't elaborate I can't explain but it was deep in that moment that I knew that 
that God was speaking to me. God met me where I, need, where, where I was and what I needed to hear and, and put in this um, burning passion to, to study and to get to know him and to, to, to know him personally. Uh, and I would read scripture um, and I came across a passage in Ephesians. Let me share this with you in Ephesians chapter 2. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. And I read about this grace of God and it was no longer about what I had done or what I had not done. But it was about the grace of God. And God spoke to me in a way that I, I still can't explain to you. And we had been to this Bible study for week in, week out, year in, year out. But this one time, God met me with everything that I needed to believe. That's what he does for Thomas. And Thomas's response in the story, go back and read it. I've told you, I'll watch how people respond when Jesus talks to them. His response is, my Lord and my God. Now it's personal. It's not the Lord. It's not the God. It's my Lord. It's my God. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. Believing in God. Even, even the enemy believes in God, shudders at his name. But we see Thomas transformed from believing in God to believing God. Believing God has the power. God has the might. God can and God will. And that's what happened to me. And through the many years, God has continued, as I've leaned in, God has continued to grow and build my faith. I've shared with y'all many times that I have the love-hate relationship with social media. Today, I love it. Uh, well, right now, I love it. I may hate it in about an hour, but I love it right now. Um, but I want to share with y'all, a friend of mine posted something, and he, and he posts sometimes fairly long post and it, it's more out of therapy I think for him um, he he was diagnosed with cancer back in June and he is um, he got really sick he got a little better uh, and now he's taking a turn for the worse so I'll read to you what he says bear with me because it is long but he says our most recent medical news is concerning at best actually it's a gut punch and I'm staggering. Possibly I've come to a fork in the journey of life where part of my life becomes preparing for death. We updated wills and durable powers of attorney for health care. We've had conversations that have been difficult, but not grim. They're part of life if you face it honestly. We approach, talking about he and his wife, we approach medical news differently. She approaches it very positive and optimistic. I'm a realist. Whatever we learn, we can face it together. We have a strong faith in Jesus Christ. My life is in the hands of God. My death is in the hands of God. I prefer to continue life on earth, but I have no fear of death. I will be with God. I do worry about dying. I worry about pain and suffering, but not death. My prayer life is different than you might expect. I don't presume to give instructions to God, so rarely do I pray, God, change this. Instead, my prayers are, God, give me faith, strength, courage, compassion, whatever virtue my soul needs in the moment. Today's prayer, Lord, grow my faith so that I can face this in every hour of need in the assurance of faith. And this type of prayer actually strengthens me. 
I don't get mad when things don't go my way. Sad, yes, but mad, no. Why? Because I've never tried to change the course of events. I simply tried to strengthen my soul and face life as it unfolds. God has never failed me. I'm grateful for life's blessings, but I'm not entitled to them. Life doesn't owe me an easy path. But in my darkest hours, I've experienced the grace and strength of God. That is God's greatest blessing. Do I have hope? Unequivocally, yes. I have hope for healing. The report was not great, but there are more reports to come. The challenges are greater than previously expected, but there are still options. So yes, I have hope we will defeat the disease and cure the cancer. If we don't find a cure, I have hope in eternity. Hope gives me strength to get us up in the morning. Hope gives me joy in this life. And hope gives me courage about an uncertain future. My friend Glenn, his story builds me up, strengthens my faith. And when I hear his story, it makes me think. I mean, like Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then after Jesus resurrected, Jesus comes to Peter and says, do you love me? And three different times, Jesus, Peter says, I love you. And he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he goes and he preaches to the crowds. And 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as a result of what Peter does. And then Peter continues to live and, and continues to follow Jesus. He continues to be bold in his faith. And one day they come and they say, renounce Jesus. He's already done it three times easily. He could do it again. He says, I won't, I won't do that. They say, if you don't do it, then we're going to kill you the way that we killed Jesus. And Peter says, I'm not even worthy of dying the way that Jesus died. So they turn him upside down and they crucify him. Here's somebody who saw, knew what Jesus had done, and he was willing to die for him. James, Jesus' brother. You ever thought, think about this when you read, like, what would your brother, if you have siblings, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the son of God? Right? I mean, if anybody is a witness to you, it is Jesus' brother. Because he, they asked him to renounce Jesus, and he said no. And they threw him off the temple, and he didn't die, and so they ambushed him. And they came back and said, renounce Jesus. And he prayed what Jesus prayed. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then they beat him to death with a club. Paul? Paul hated Christians, wanted to kill all Christians. But he experienced the risen Christ. And then he continued to plant churches and to, to proclaim the message of Christ. They came to him, and they said, renounce Christ. I mean, he had, he had been killing people against Christ. Renounce Christ? No. Because I've experienced the risen Christ, and they beheaded him. Their stories continue to build me up. They were willing to die for Jesus. Thomas, this doubting Thomas, this guy that we give credit to for doubt, once Jesus gave him everything he needed to believe, he went to the farthest place of any of the disciples, went to India, and transformed and spoke about Christ and, and saw people's lives transformed. And then they went to him and said, I want you to renounce Jesus. And he said, no, I believe. I love the fact, and I almost cried just in this moment, cave experience. 
Thomas was in a cave when they came to him and said, renounce Jesus. And they speared him because he wouldn't give up. He was confident in what he believed. So we see his cave experience. We gather in this moment. And some of you doubt. Their stories build me up to, to remind me of what I know to be true. God has touched me in the very depths of my soul. And so we gather in this moment just like millions of people across this world because we say we believe. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the death. We believe in the resurrection. We believe Christ will come again. We believe. The question from us, I think, is do you believe enough to live for him? I'm not even asking you to die for him. I'm just saying, do you, live, do, you, do you believe enough to live for him? Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord, doubt is such a common part of our faith experience. And I'm sure that there are people in this room who are going through. I pray, God, that they can be reminded. Reminded of Thomas's experience. And Peter. James. Paul. Glenn. I pray, Almighty God, that we can move from being a place where we believe in you to believing you. Help us, God, to hear the words when Jesus said, stop. Stop doubting and believe. And may we come to that place where we are able to call you not just Lord and God, but my Lord, my God. May we experience you and your presence in this moment as we come together and claim what it is that we believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.